Hello, lovely community. Welcome to another episode of the Soulful Veda podcast. It's Angelica here. And if this is your first time here, oh my gosh, we are so happy that you are here. Welcome to our space. Welcome to Soulful Veda. We are in an Ayurvedic brand that empowers others to become the healers they were always meant to be, meaning that we all have the capacity to heal ourselves and we believe with proper guidance, proper wisdom, we can totally accomplish that. So welcome to our show, the podcast. We are so excited and honored for the guests that we have on today, Katie Silcox. And before we get into that, I do want to talk about what's happening celestially. So we had our full moon eclipse last week, last Wednesday, full moon in Scorpio. And of course, we follow Vedic astrology. So if you're like, wait, I thought I was in Sagittarius. Western astrology is just slightly different. If you care to know more about the difference, you can check out our episode with Laura Plum, where we go into detail about that. So full moon eclipse in Scorpio, whoa, like major transformational energy. First of all, eclipses in general, that's just what they mean is transformation. And paired with Scorpio, it's like the epitome of endings and new beginnings of shedding layers, ending karmic cycles, and really stepping into the truth of who you are, like digging deep into your shadows so that you can truly experience the polarity of that, the exceptional light that is there when you do all of the shadow work. And kind of want to talk about how Rachel and I have been processing this. So it's a great time to go inward as we hear a lot with full moons, but specifically eclipses. Because there can be so many shifts happening, this can be happening on such a subtle level. So for me, it's happening on the subtle level. I'm experiencing a lot of emotions that are shedding, a lot of old limiting beliefs that I'm releasing. I'm really stepping into this whole new way of how I want to think of the relationship with myself and then to others. And for Rachel, it's happening more on that macro level where relationships in her life are actually shifting and changing. And no matter where you're experiencing that on the subtle or the gross level, it's so important to go inward because as everything is changing outside, we want to mirror that inside. That's what Ayurveda says. It's all about balancing our inner and our outer worlds. And it's really important that we do the introspective work so that we can go along with the tides of change that are on the rise. So we've been focusing more on our spiritual practices and I want to say that spiritual practices looks different for everyone. I know when I first heard that concept, I literally thought it only had to be meditation, mantra, Ayurveda practice, things of this sort, and it totally can be. If that resonates with you, amazing. Do that. And a spiritual practice can also be going outside for a walk in nature, maybe touching a tree, maybe going outside in the rain, dancing, talking with a friend. It's so vast and I want it to be so unique to everyone. So I'm just going to share some of my practices, not that these have to be yours, but just to inspire you. So journaling has been such a staple for me for so long, ever since I got my yoga teacher certification. But re- recently I've been doing way more of it. So I've been doing it in the morning and every night. And personally, I just experience a lot of emotions. My moon is in Scorpio in my birth natal chart. So Scorpios feel the deepest. They have, they can feel the most emotions. And I love this so much because it's such a gift to be able to feel all these emotions. However, with when we don't experience, allow ourselves to pause and really feel them, then they go unprocessed. And then 
we kind of find ourselves spiraling. At least I do. So I have been journaling every morning and every night what I'm feeling emotionally, if any triggers came to the surface so I can work through those, recognize them, but also just to give myself more grace and saying the things that I'm proud of that I did, saying the things that I love about myself, saying everything that I'm excited for that day, what I'm so grateful for that happened that day, whatever it is, just to bring lightness to this. I think oftentimes we do a lot of the shadow work and recognizing what parts of us we want to let go and release, which is so important. We need that. We get stuck there and we stay there. At least that's been my experience and Rachel's as well, where we just want to know more. We want to dig deeper. We want to get it all out. We want to be all in the light. And what happens is when you get stuck there, you forget that your identity is not the shadow. You forget that you can experience the polarity of the shadow and be completely in your light, which is epic, which is bliss, which is amazingness. So if you are doing shadow work during this time, remind yourself to get back to your spirit. So journaling has been really good for me. Movement is an essential. It always has been. That's how I express myself. I was a dancer growing up, but really honoring how my body wants to move that day, whether that's a yoga class, whether that's doing weights, dance, just going for a walk. I don't know, whatever it is, I need to move. That feels good in my body. And the last thing is meditation, which this probably is more one of the classical ways that I exercise my spirit. I practice a form of meditation called sattva meditation. Do it every morning. I can't go without it. And I've been wrapping up my meditations too. So sometimes sometimes I'll do one in the evening as well, sometimes mid-afternoon. That is what's been working for me and really helping me to shed and go inward during this time. So we have another solar eclipse happening. Well, another eclipse, but this time it's a solar eclipse happening on June 10th. So just take this time to be with yourself, to notice these transitions that are happening. They're all good. Even if it feels like an ending that you didn't see coming, it can feel jarring. Allow yourself the space to just feel it, to get back into your spirit, to go inward, to be okay saying no to plans and things during this time so that you can really process everything and release it. So one of the things that I was really shedding during this time was my inner critic voice. I've been talking about this a lot on IGTV, how I've really been observing my thoughts lately and hearing this inner critic voice that I sometimes immediately shut out. However, I haven't allowed myself the space to really feel it and to allow it to be processed so that I can let it go. So I've really been working on that. That's why journaling has been so helpful for me to really remind myself of my light and bring in all that unconditional heart chakra loving energy into my life. And another belief that I've been shedding as I've been noticing my relationships to others is releasing the relationship that I have with guru or inspirational person or teacher or mentor to myself. So a lot of times I get so inspired and I look up to people I look up to people so much that I often give away my power when I do this. And it comes from a pure intention of just having such reverence and seeing how the person is totally stepping into their light. I think Instagram does a really good job of this. It's so important to have people who you are motivated by and inspired by, but what happens is when you give away your power you, you basically forget that you have every capability and power to do exactly as that other person. And it's almost like a forgetting that happens with me when I do this, that I forget how strong I am. I forget how knowledgeable I already am. And it's more like, here, I am giving away that and then just trusting you to 
to help me through that. So it's been really awesome to explore when I do that. And even it happens on a subtle level just by watching things on Instagram, people that I look up to and looking for them to our, for advice. And it's been really lovely to get off Instagram more, to stop listening to so many podcasts and reading books and taking time to just listen to what my own intuition has to say. And I've been getting such clear downloads and messages because of that. It's actually been amazing how now that I have this stillness, I'm just listening to music or no music at all. And I'm just sitting on my balcony and a message will come through from source so clearly. And it's so empowering to know that I have the power to have access to this knowledge, this wisdom to heal my own imbalances and my shadows and step into the light. So if that is anything that you're experiencing, I just want to encourage you that you have every power and capability to channel your own messages from source, to be your own divine conduit of healing energy. It's all available to you. And that brings me to our amazing special guest today, Katie Silcox. I know a lot of our community already know so much about Katie and the wonderful things that she does. She is the founder and the lead teacher of Shakti School, and she is also a New York Times bestselling author of the book, Healthy, Happy, Sexy, Ayurvedic Wisdom for Modern Women. I mean, everything that she touches, she just absolutely shines at and she glows. She has worked with so many teachers and gurus, one being that she worked with a guru for about a decade um, in India. So she has studied, explored, learned, experienced these ancient traditions so well and knows them in her body. And what I love most about Katie is that she's just so real. She is so honest and she takes away that concept of guru and student that she doesn't even like to call herself a spiritual teacher. She had this beautiful way of saying she likes to be called a spiritual artist because it gives her more freedom that she can dance with things, that she can change, that she can mess up and make mistakes because we are human after all. And that is what this experience is all about. So we just absolutely adored having this conversation with Katie. I think it was so timely with what we were experiencing, but also what our community can really get out of. She has so many golden nuggets in this episode. We talk a lot about how she experiences Ayurveda authentically. So her school is all about bringing the divine feminine wisdom. And we really go into what the divine feminine means in Ayurveda, but also how can you what does the future hold for that? How can we really marry the divine feminine, the divine masculine together? Because that truly is how we can heal the world. And we also talk a lot about the process Katie went through when she was from the idea, from the idea of being downloaded to her from source of starting Shakti school to the process and actually making it happen. And whether or not there was going to be a certification component to it. And I think that's so great for all of our listeners who have inner visions and who want to bring them to light. What does that look like? What does that feel like? How do you know when you have a solid idea? It's so beautiful to hear her process with that and how she got the download, what that felt like in her body and how she created this beautiful concept of Shakti school. We also go into what happens when you step into your authentic power? Oftentimes there happens to be the naysayers and the haters. And Rachel and I have definitely experienced this on our Instagram as well. So it was so beautiful to hear how she has processed that. I mean, 
Of course, she's built such a big name for herself and her brand and for our Ayurveda community. And whenever you step into your authentic power, there's always going to be the polarity of it. So it was so beautiful having her wisdom on how she handles that with grace and how you can really release that so that you don't hold on to that. And so you can continue doing the work of God because really it's not about us. It's not about the ego. It's not about, oh, I am being the one that can channel this wisdom. It's completely, you're taking yourself out of that when you have these channel messages and you know that you are just guided by source and God. And she really goes into a, a lovely process of of how that works. So, so many golden nuggets in here. I know you're going to be so inspired. So without further ado, sit back, grab your cup of tea and enjoy this episode. Welcome to Soulful Veda's podcast. We are Ayurvedic health coaches that heal imbalances in the mind, body, and spirit. We are here to guide you on your healing journey with soulful wisdom and higher intuition. You are your best healer and your moment to connect your highest self is now. Hello, beautiful community. Welcome to another episode um, of the Soulful Veda podcast. We are so honored and so excited um, to have the lovely, lovely, lovely Katie Silcox on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, sister, I feel so excited. I just feel really grateful to be here in this virtual room with two young, beautiful women that are, I already sense as on fire for spirit as I am. It's like, oh, I'm with my family. This is so great. So thank you for having me. Absolutely. So we always kick off our podcast asking this question and um, we would love to hear what was really the catalyst for your spiritual awakening. And we know spiritual awakening can be multiple interpretations. So whatever that means for you. It's mm, a good question. A deep one to begin with. I've been asked this before and and the answer seems to always be the same and that is the catalyst for spirituality for me has been pain suffering um I think every day I am uh, humbly and humorously aware of my capacity to deeply connect to God and at the same time, utterly forget her existence. <laughs> so it sort of, sort of feels like a spiritual awakening is almost for me personally required every single day. Um, so I, I, I can't point to one moment in time when I became spiritually awakened, <laughs> right? But I, I do know that through great blessings of this lifetime and whatever good karma I'm bringing into this lifetime, I, I have been able to access my connection to God more and more readily. And I, I feel really grateful for that. And um, yeah, I could say more, but, but pain, you know, I think that all of us who are deeply in that struggle, we come to the moment where we realize that, that at some point the outer world isn't going to solve it. And that's when we start to look inside and, and seek out these teachers or practices that help us find ourselves. Totally. And I'd love to hear, I guess, what is the most recent time where you were really diving into that dichotomy between pain and then letting God in? Huh. This morning. I mean, it for me, I, I, 
I, I think about like, I think it was Rumi or Hafiz or one of these Sufis that was saying like, I, I think it was Hafiz. He's like, I get in the closet and mud wrestle with God. And that's sort of like my experience. It's like, <laughs> I, you know, like every day I'm like, here I come, Katie Solcox to-do list. Let's do this. Let's do that. And then God's like, ha, 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 you know, <laughs> you know, it's just like, this ongoing journey between the incredible power of my individuality and my will, which the divine gave me and surrendering to this bigger plan that is not what I had planned. You know, so, um, but I think to, to speak more generally about suffering and pain and that, that inner relationship to spirituality, I, I've struggled a lot with, um, anxiety uh, hypersensitivity like being kind of feeling like I was different than everybody and that I was different than the family I grew up in different than my southern baptist upbringing and my culture and just feeling really separate in that way and and ironically when I started talking about this and sharing it and teaching yoga and then later ayurveda and now Tantra and spirituality more broadly, I, I found that there's like a lot of us that feel this way and, and really almost everyone feels this way. And so, but yeah, I struggled with mental health stuff, um, food issues, you know, growing up in the American South in the 1980s, you know, it was like bulimia was like the thing we all did, you know, and uh, yoga became this place where I was like, holy shit, like, I have a body and it's strong and I have prana and I have breath and I have, you know, what was so incredible for me was this idea of divinity is inside of me. Like that's bananas. And, um, and, you know, really this sense of, of, of longing for something that enabled me to feel that I was worthy. Uh, and at the same time, let me be, like imperfect and sexual and messy and emotional and all these things that we are, especially as women. Yeah, I love that. And Katie, will you walk us through your journey to finding Ayurveda? Did it start with kind of the things you were talking about and then move into yoga and then Ayurveda was something that came later or how did that become a part of your life? And when did you decide that you wanted to study it and bring it to life in the way that you do? Yeah, like, like many people first, I found yoga and meditation, and it really helped become uh, an anchor point, and and really ameliorate a lot of the suffering. Um, it, it then became a band aid on its own and kind of stopped working. And that's another story. But I remember um, I, I was studying with AG and Indra Mohan, some of my first teachers in India, and AG Mohan introduced me to this idea of Ayurveda and and it was sounded really complex and hard for me to understand as a white western woman and and I kind of didn't think much about it and then when I moved to Berkeley California I met someone that I ended up uh, being in a relationship with for four years who was studying Ayurveda and so I actually learned it through a boyfriend and he was he was amazing really strict about it and and so yeah it just kind of made sense that there was a healthcare system that went along with this spiritual practice. And, um, yeah. And, and then I went, myself went to the same school that he went to and 
And then I just had this epiphany and I remember saying it to Dr. Claudia Welch in a, in a workshop with her in front of a bunch of people. Like I had this, you know, I called in the Tantra tradition, we call it the Bendubi Sarga. I had this heavenly drop, this like insight, we would say in English, where it felt like the divine was dropping something good into me. And I just lit up and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to write a book for western ladies about ayurveda in a way that they can understand and i and i just remember claudia looked at me and she went well that's a lot of people you know like that's a good goal you know she really she really was like that's a great great goal to have and um and i've only had a few of those insights in my life where i've been like you know call your mama kind of thing where it's like mom i know that I'm going to write this book and it's going to be amazing. And I had that same feeling with the Shakti school. I called my mom. I was like, mom, I'm going to make this school for women online. It's going to be for feminine wisdom medicine and it's going to blow up. And she's like, what? You know, and, and I've only had that like three or four times where I'm like, this is something that I, in the tradition we call, I'm in the naughty. The naughty means the flow. Like, I'm getting that and it and it feels so freeing you guys because then you know you're supported and you it's not about your ego and because of that you can just be as big and bold about it as you want and so you know I always tell my students if you get that heavenly download you should be letting everybody know about it because it's not just you it's not of you students or, or friends get worried like oh I'll sound like an egotistical person if I promote myself or I get excited about my project it's like ironically it's the opposite like if you are being held and guided by the divine you have no fear like and then you have fear but do you know what I mean I just really want to encourage our your listeners it's like get get the download because you'll be totally supported and the actually the thing that's keeping you from speaking up and promoting yourself or it's that's actually your ego (laughs) it's kind of funny how that works yeah, I, I'd say definitely soulful was that moment for Angelica and I, and it was just like something so much bigger than us and maybe didn't make a lot of sense. And there was a lot of fear later, but in the moment it was like, of course, this is what we have to do. So relate a lot to that. And I think whenever you start something, and this is really true of our journey, you, you have that fear where you kind of just regurgitate things that you learned in school. And I, I love, you know, for you to share with us and then also people listening who might be early, whether they're teaching Ayurveda or something else, how do you take something that does have the system and the science behind it, but make it authentic to you in the way that you teach it, share it, embody it? And what was your journey like with that? It's a great, you guys are really, really brilliant. That's a great question. I mean, it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately and I, and I think y'all are young and your listeners are probably on the little bit on the younger side. I don't know your demographics, but as you age, what you begin to see is that all the boxes that you got really excited about putting yourself in when you were younger, now they're becoming oppressive. (laughs) You're like, okay, like now what? And that is a sign that you're evolving. And, you know, I always tell students like, you are meant to actually carry the torch forward of these ancient traditions. They aren't meant to remain static. And so the the, the ongoing dialogue is self to spirit. Like how can I wear the great mantle of whatever tradition I'm working in, be it Christianity, Hinduism, Ayurveda, Tantra, whatever we're interested in studying, how can I honor and respect that? And to also be aware that many of these teachings have been downloaded by humans. And 
they are fallible. We have this sort of idealization of the ancients as if they were, no, they were hot messes like we are. I mean, in different ways, like they would think we are bananas, but, and, and, and to really know that the deeper question is, what is my relationship to the divine? And as I tune to that, I can trust that. You know, I, I really think of myself less, I never have thought of myself as a guru. I don't really even like the name spiritual teacher because I really feel like a spiritual artist. I don't want to be put in a box. I, I want to be free to mess up, to be human, to co-create with divinity, to hold and honor ancient tradition, but at the same time, not feel stuck by that traditional holding pattern. And that's really where I see my, my particular role is to be a translator of ancient tradition into a modern lens and that's not everybody's role like the whole deal is you figure out what you're meant to be and I'm also pretty entertaining and so I like I'm an edutainer I'm an educator and an entertainer and my god thank god not everyone is that right and so it's it's really about figuring it out figuring out what you what you are what your unique gift and spark is and then the second part which is so much harder is to accept that that's how who you are what you're meant to be and and to really have the boldness to live that I could go on and on but I, I think that maybe touched on your question <laughs> definitely I love the thing of being an artist I think that again like it takes your ego out of it like I have to be this teacher or I have to be like this mm. upper hand role and like we feel like that way in our community too and we feel that how you connect with your community um, just through like what we can see on Instagram like it's so clear like there is no like hierarchy happening there like how can there be teaching when you're not embodying like I'm doing this work shoulder to shoulder with you and something when I first started to learn Ayurveda because I love being that like great student like I love being mm -hmm. that dedicated committed um, student because I look up to my teachers so much but I found myself kind of in traps of finding like a system and making it kind of more masculine in a lot of ways and I love your podcast I've listened to so many of the geese spot episodes and I remember you dove into this in one episode maybe it was the one with Mary Thompson but you talked about the difference between um how Ayurveda can have that masculinity and mm -hmm. how like the divine feminine comes forward and that just like it struck such a chord in me I was like wow yes like that's where the freedom is because the way that we see Ayurveda is like this divine mother, like she's so compassionate. And I think that's when women find Ayurveda in particular, they're like, wow, like a whole nother like world opens. And I would love to hear from you. How do you experience the divine feminine in Ayurveda and how has that unfolded in your experience? Hmm. Well, you know, in the ancient tantric tradition, Shiva and Shakti are never separated. And I really feel like, and you know, we were, we were, we're about to put out an advertisement for our next school year. And it says Divine Feminine Ayurveda. And here's an example of putting yourself in a box. And I'm like, okay, we can say that. But really what's happening is all of us are, if we're willing, right? Being invited to really understand within us what those things of Divine Masculine and Feminine really are in men and women and everything in the gender spectrum in between and to be able to access them inside of ourselves and to resist this temptation that is in all of us. It's part of our neurology structure. It's not, we don't have to feel bad about it. And it is inside of us 
to want to put things into either or categories, to polarize. This is a very human thing. And so now what you have with folks like myself who were at the forefront of this divine feminine movement now being like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like it, you need both. And let's talk about what both are. Similarly to your point before about sitting shoulder to shoulder with sisterhood, very good. But in that, we don't want to lose hierarchy because hierarchy exists all throughout nature. And so you run the risk of then becoming too, <laughs> you know, someone needs to hold the energetic of leader or doctor or shaman. Do you know what I mean, guys? Or boss of the company. There's a way in which, and I've studied this because I was in a very kind of hierarchical guru male system. And then we created Chakti School and we're like, shoulder, shoulder, everybody's their te inner teacher is alive, you know, and that's was really liberating, right? We're not going to do any asanas. We're going to trance dance, you know, and so it's a reaction and we needed to do that, right? We needed to react against this, like, get on your yoga mat, warrior one, shoulders down the back. It's like, get off my back, dude. Stop telling me what to do and let my body unravel like a snake and yet anytime we move into that polarization the snake eats its own tail which i think is what is happening really on a political level on a geo social level on a cultural level it's like the extremes start to really look like one another and so this is where we can lean into that original tantric teaching that says shiva and shakti are two sides of the same coin it's the yin and the yang Shiva is your capacity to silently witness. That is the divine masculine. And women, ironically, need it more than ever. It's like, yes, right? And the feminine is that capacity to meet and, and value the ultimate and ever-present pulsation of life. But if you only do one, you'll always skew towards imbalance. So back to the what is divine, but okay, now that we've established that sort of broad eagle eye vision, now let's talk about reality. And the reality is most of us grew up in a Western patriarchal allopathic medical system. Good things were in it, not so great things in it. But the skew was that we abdicated our power to the dude in, or the woman in the white coat who was going to tell us what to do, tell us what's wrong with us and give us the remedy. Whereas feminine form medicine says, I need to take stock of the entire plane of existence that's going on in this woman's life when the disease has manifest in her field. That field science is now in soil science really, really important. Rather than trying to get rid of the parasite, ask why is the soil allowing the parasite to come to fruition? So, but if we only look at the soil and we don't treat the disease it's going to be imbalanced. Why we pay honor and move more towards the feminine in the Shakti school is simply because that part of our medical slash health slash spiritual culture has been so atrophied. It's been so, in some cases, taken from us. And so for us to actually lean more into the feminine initially is really healing, especially for women. I, I could talk on and on, but I just want to end it by a really practical thing of what feminine form medicine looks like is 
in my body, I have all kinds of gut disturbances my whole life, took a ton of antibiotics. It's going to be so many of you guys and those listening, right? It's like, oh, I'm dealing with this and this and this and this. And you're like, well, that supplement's good for that. And that herb's good for that. Like that's masculine medicine. And guess what? Hell yeah, dude. If you have a tumor, thank you, Western science. Cut that shit out, right? Like we've got to be okay with Kalima who's like slice it out, right? But, and I'm good at that kind of medicine. I'm like, get the shit out of me. One, two, three, right? Feminine form says, pause. Sit on your couch right now. Put your phone on a timer for 60 minutes. Yes, 60 minutes. And I want you to move away all your books, all your computers, all your iPads, every single thing and sit on the couch for one hour. And take stock of the room that you sit in every day and take stock of the landscape of your emotions and your thoughts and your energetic experiences and find every single corner within the inner and outer landscape where you still don't fully love yourself. That's feminine form. And when you combine those two things, it doesn't really matter the state of your gut or your you know, whether or not you have perfect Ayurvedic digestive glow, which I never do. And yet I'm a damn good Ayurvedic teacher and practitioner because that piece of the feminine is the most important, that field of love. And I believe that we exist in a time where we are in a pandemic of self-hate. And I include myself. I mean, this is an awakening for me of, oh my God, it really is love yourself. And it's not an Instagram meme. It's not an affirmation you say to yourself. It's get on your couch and you've got to put everything else to the side and go for one hour. This is about me to me. And if you do that, and maybe you could start with 30 minutes, but you know, if you can do that, you are super tapped into Ayurvedic feminine form medicine. I'm just sitting here with chills. I loved all of that. <laughs> just soaking it all in. <laughs> I'm just so grateful I get to be a public speaker because God comes through and I get to actually feel the medicine in my body. So thank you guys for letting me be here and receive actually the gift of my own voice, which sounds totally narcissistic, but I don't mean it that way. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I totally agree. It's like when you're speaking, it's you're channeling and it just like feels so good to feel God's energy coming through you. And yeah. you know, it's clear because like after you're like, wait, what did I say? And like, you know, like it's totally beyond you. Totally. I, there's so many nuggets that you had in there. And I, I guess I'm really curious to hear you embody the divine feminine in your school in so many ways. And I think that's really clear. And like you're that message that's become so clear that now you're like, you're bringing in more of like, how can I bring in divine masculine and feminine mm -hmm. as one? But I think what's really helpful to know what about that pain body that happened right when mm -hmm. you first started to introduce it. And I'm always curious because whenever you step into your authenticity, you're going to get like the haters and you're going to get the people who are going to be triggered because they're not in their authentic powers. And then they see someone living their authentic power and they're like, what are they doing? Um, and they lash out at you. And, you know, Rachel and I have experienced that on a micro level, but mm. of course, when you're starting something new, it's like, 
ah, like, no, like, that's the, the opposite. I just want to heal everyone. Mm. Like, that is only what I want for my words. So mm. I love to hear, maybe it was a story that came to mind or a few, like, when you were challenged um, and to be in your authenticity and you were kind of getting backlash from others. Oh, girl, are you, like, in my secret text messages to God? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> these little whippersnappers are all up in my subconscious. <laughs> Um, yeah so like one of the things that so human beings would rather die than be humiliated this isn't my opinion it's science we would we're more afraid of public speaking than dying because why why it's not the public speaking that's scary it's the fear of the judgment I feel it totally every single day. You know, I get up in front of hundreds of students every week and thousands of people on Instagram. And and I've noticed in myself, especially as of late, because it's no secret that we are currently existing in an ideological cultural war where, where there's been so much polarization. And I think folks like ourselves tend to be people that deeply from a deep authentic place that's nonverbal want to be a part of the movement towards love and healing that's who you are i can see it in y'all's faces right it doesn't mean you don't have your little demons and your moments and your triggers right but like the impulse is is love and unity and connection it's a very it's a parasympathetic state it's a tend and befriend it's, women tend to have this a little more um and so our nature is is that in psychological terms, it's really codependency and merging, right? In the unhealthy aspect. And so because of that, we have to really even be more aware because of that capacity to be porous, that stuff's going to get in. And that, and that's why people like being around us because there is a porosity to the boundary. And when the three of us are sitting together and your listeners and my listeners, that porosity of boundary when there's love coming through it, that feels fucking fantastic, right? But now what happens when that porosity of boundary, which I know you guys are promoting this beautiful thing, right? But what happens when whack shit gets inside? It feels really bad, right? And so the the journey of becoming a woman, becoming an adult queen is the journey of learning how to maintain that sense of your sweetness. That's so easy for us. This, the three of us, and probably most of our listeners, if they're anything like mine, how can I maintain that softness and not shield my light while at the same time carrying a big fucking stick? Because people be crazy right now. Not everybody's waking up in the morning and going, Divine Father, Ma- Father, Father, Mother, fill me with light. Let me be a blessing to everybody I find today. And when some jackass pisses me off, I'm going to use it to like mulch into the bigger light. Nobody's doing that except you weirdos, <laughs> right? And so because of that, not everybody gets to come inside. So, I mean, I feel in a way like you and I, we should have an ongoing relationship because I feel protective of you because growing up in the yoga Ayurveda world, I mean, you guys can't even believe when my first book came out, which you guys have read, it was just like a love offering. 
you can't believe the hate mail I got. You know, I remember this white dude from Marin County wearing like his full on Indian clothing (laughs) telling me uh, you are everything wrong with Ayurveda in America. You embody. Of course, that stuck with me. That's, a, you know, in that email, in that Facebook message, I learned the power of the block. No one has the right to be in your reality until they've proven themselves worthy of being in your reality. I mean, this is a topic I think about a lot because I notice even in myself, I and I think for a period, it made sense. Like there's, there's pulsation. There are times to hold back and formulate what you believe and who you are and what you think is real. And I think we live in a time where public people, whether you have a small podcast like we do or massive public figures, we're being pressured to opine and give these advanced opinions on everything under the sun within a Twitter news cycle. It gives no room for a deep depth contemplation and a utilization of the intellect and the spirit and the heart that requires time and it requires an inordinate amount of compassion to have difficult conversations, which we greatly need, you know. And so, I mean, you see me kind of hesitating to continue because it's something that, you know, I, I grapple with still. How do I... How do I represent myself authentically and, and truly trust in spirit guiding me in my voice and to not simply state what is popular and everyone wants me to say? How do I navigate that and the deep longing of my heart to create a world that is a more beautiful, equitable, you know, healthy, zero racist place? Right? How do I navigate those two realms and I think it's something so many of us are thinking right now on the planet despite all of our collective usual silence around it. Katie would you mind sharing some practical things that you do to keep really strong boundaries whether that's physical you mentioned the block but also energetic because like you said I think those things stick with you and the more you hear that voice of doubt the more like you are to quit and kind of go back into your shell small yeah exactly yeah and hey there's no shame in needing to go into your shell like I moved from San Francisco to Charlottesville Virginia where literally no one no one knows me I'm like hiding out right and like there can be times where you're like yeah bye-bye California like going going home to hide and I think there's a value sometimes playing small like the goddess is infinitely big and infinitely she can go infinitely small and so well let me answer your question by first saying the wounded masculine says I am going to war I'm going to war and by the way I'm going to war with myself first and I'm going to break out the battle weaponry. So you're, we can all know that we have that in wounded masculine. It's so easy to get mad at like men and white men and, you know, white men's tears. I don't have that mug it's because I have white men's tears. I, we are all the wounded white male. So where am I going to war? That's the question. And the wounded feminine, you're going to love this. She says, you've wounded me. I am going to hide myself from you. So how do I keep those boundaries without going to war? And, let, you know, sometimes you have to go to war. But to, for the most part, how do I keep those boundaries without going to war? 
and at the same time not shield and hide my light unless sometimes you have to right but like that beautiful balance there are so many ways we could talk about intellectually but your listeners and you guys are smart women you know you know i mean just trust your intuition if something feels off you speak about it. you know i had a situation the other day where Someone kept texting me over and over and over again, asking for favor after favor after favor. Meanwhile, they hadn't even asked me how I'm doing. And I threw up a boundary. You know what? This, this, and this. And it and it was like, then there was drama, you know? And so it's like, oh, this is good information. Great. That's That's an example. Like, speak your truth rather than going into a passive aggressive place of, okay, I'll do it. And then you're holding that grudge, you know, just lovingly and kindly, not in a place of being triggered, just say what's true for you. So we can, there's millions, but like, that's really it. Don't lie. Just don't lie. And that's so hard because when you put up a boundary, you can immediately expect what's called a boundary pushback. That's a good sign. And it's super uncomfortable and everything your body is going to want to renegotiate. But in, but, but I'm really interested in the feminine form of, that's the masculine answer. The feminine form is, especially when I'm uh, around men, because for me personally, that's where I tend to get really mergy because I love men and I just want to melt into the masculine. So when I'm around men and it's not even sexual, like sometimes it is, but usually it's just, just anybody, right. That has a penis or presents as a masculine I'm going to go into that extreme honey bunny and in that moment what the feminine does to regain her sense of balance and boundary is she goes into the floor of her being into the legs and into the feet and as she is interchanging with that man or whoever it is right 10% of her or 30 whatever you like is listening maybe 50 and the other 50% of her, can you feel how I'm doing it already and how my energy totally changed? Fifty. The other 50% is feeling her mother, which is the earth, move up her feet and fill up her womb space. And as she is with this man, the mother energetic is filling up her womb space. And as she is with this man, she opens up her crown and she lets that father energetic move down her body and meet in her belly. And if you're people out there are like, what the hell is that? It's just your attention. You let your attention not be on him. And him him can be anyone, anything. And you let it come back into you. And guess what's happening? You're being fed. You're being fed. And as you start to get fat on this energy, it starts to pulse out of your body. And that's called your, your, your auric field. And that auric field, instead of you abandoning yourself, and pouring it all of it into him, which is why he loves to be around you. And then you're exhausted and going, well, why don't they ever fill me up? Right. As that's occurring, you're being filled by your actual masculine and feminine who will never leave you and never abandon you. And they are making sweet love in your body. And you become this creative force and that auric field starts to pulse out and out and you keep it for you. And you can use this mantra just for me just for me. And guess what happens? As that starts to happen, you begin to not need anything from him. You begin to not care if he says douchey shit to you, right? Like you just pulse and pulse and pulse. 
And the ironic outcome of this is at the end of the date or the business meeting or the grocery store, whatever it was, this person inevitably will say to you, you're amazing. You're beautiful. I want to give you things. I want to do nice shit for, and you're like, wow. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But the point, you guys, is that that becomes the energetic boundary. That becomes the boundary. So true, because it comes back to the metaphor like you can't serve from an empty cup, and that's you literally pouring your own energy into yourself. And I love that exercise that you gave because it's something that you could just do in that now moment of like reminding yourself that I am full in this moment yes. and I don't need anything from this person it's all within me and yes. and you, the other piece of it is your org field is attracting them in so then they're going to want to it's genius it's genius <laughs> yeah. and super hard mm-hmm. so yeah go ahead Um, I just want to go back to something you said when you were talking about the divine masculine boundary. And when you said, just speak your truth, I'm curious, we we touched on this a little bit earlier, but if you need time to kind of sit with your truth, figure Mm -hmm. out what your truth is, like when you're in those situations, do you share your truth that is just like, I don't know, like I need to sit with this time. Like, I just want to open that up for people too. Cause I feel like when you said that I had something in me that was kind of like, I don't always know my truth right Mm -hmm. then. And then I kind of relaxed into being like, well, my truth could also be, I'm going to wait on this and figure out what it means for me. Yeah. Very wise. Very wise. One of my teachers is a man named Michael Brown, and he used to say, when you're charged, you're not in charge. The truth isn't available if you're charged. And I'm writing my third book now, um, and I'm writing a chapter on the intuition, and it's like, speak your truth. And everyone's like, oh, you should just speak your truth. It's like, no, because that sometimes when we think we're speaking our truth, we're just speaking our old egoic pattern as you know like you guys are on Instagram where you're just like just any old thing you feel isn't your truth or the truth it's like truth is true like Gandhi used to say truth is truth like meaning there's a divine aspect to it and that isn't always readily accessible especially when you're dealing with everyday life where you know I got a text this morning and it was just like oh that is making me feel all the yuckiness and my truth in that moment is I'm feeling nervous and I can't actually access the realm of me that holds truth for me. So Dr. Claudia Welch, who was one of my first Ayurveda mentors says, here's, and you really spoke to it. It's like, you're either going to get a clear yes, a clear no, or you're going to get nothing at all, or a maybe, or, and that means pause, go sit on the couch, go sit in nature, go do a podcast and find your God tube and, you know, come back to it when the, the place from which you access quote, your truth is a place of deep, deep loving kindness towards yourself and others. That is where the truth can emerge. Everything else is just your old stories, patterns, habituations, energetic patterns, disease, etc. That's beautiful. And yeah, I think that's so good for everyone to know because I do feel like we're in a culture where you feel like you have to have an opinion right away. Everything has to be really reactive. And I think mm. there's a superpower to be able to just sit in the unknown for a while. So um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And I, I want to go back to, we talked a little bit about challenges with maybe haters in the space, but 
we're also really interested in learning about what your experience was like when you went to open your school and if you experienced any challenges with that, because that's a, <laughs> a huge undertaking. And we're just so curious about what that looks yeah. like. And <laughs> yeah, all of that. <laughs> I mean, every day, it's like asking a mom if she had challenges with her baby. It's like every day, every single day, but not, you know, now we've been doing it four years and it runs pretty smoothly and we have our systems down and an amazing staff and really 99% of our students are just incredible, you know? And so, and even the 1% that aren't like people are, are having a hard time on the planet right now. You know, it's like to your point of pause and not having an opinion, that's like the greatest gift you can have because so, so many things right now are really confusing. And I think we're foolhardy if we think that we know when we're living in a time where we actually don't know, we don't know the consequences of some of the things going on on the planet right now. And that's a really scary place to be. And because of that, you have more polarization of people thinking they're right, because that sense of being right makes them feel that sense of security. But with our school, um, yeah, like it's it's really it's challenging to be somebody who's doing something totally different in the world. And anytime you're a creator, an artist, a visionary, or, or whatever form that artistry is, by nature, it's going to, you know, when you have a baby, it it, it looks like labor then you get this amazing thing and then it's amazing, but it's crying and it needs to be fed. And so just, just as a small piece of advice for all of you, go for your dreams, believe in them, go for them 100%, but just know what you create when you're younger. If you really give yourself to it, be aware that it's like a child. It, it, it in a way limits you and that's okay. But be careful what you create, <laughs> is what I'm saying. <laughs> when, I, I guess I'm also curious more of like logistics because I know there's a lot being questioned with um, like NAMA and all these and like the same thing like Yoga Alliance and, and hadn't being certified. And I would love to hear like what has been your journey with, I don't know if Shakti School is always a certification program or if you grew into that. And if that was a decision maker, like what propelled you into changing into a certification program? Hmm. Shakti School Online, Ayurveda School has always been a certification program. Um, as of right now, Ayurveda is an unregulated industry. And I think that in some ways is a really, really, really good thing because we're talking about traditional folk wisdom. And I think about the greater meaning of the word Ayurveda, it means life, life wisdom. It was consistently an oral culture in ancient India, but Ayurveda in a grander scheme is any kind of indigenous folk wisdom. And no matter the color of your skin, you are the child of indigenous folk wisdom. And women were always the carriers of that torch. And that will be the, the stake I'm willing to put in the ground in this lifetime, that, that we really have to be careful when we talk about certification agencies, albeit, you know, good intentioned ones, I have no beef with any of them. We have to really be careful, though, because we can turn into yet another uh, certification agency that forgets the, the original purpose of the endeavor. You know, I was speaking with a friend, a very well-known yoga teacher about the fact that 
um, in some ways, you know, certification agencies deny the experience of indigenous people that invented these traditions. <laughs> and that's a complex realm too, because I personally don't believe that anyone owns anything. That's my very contentious opinion. I think we're all borrowing and, and grabbing off one another. We we try to be as respectful as possible at Ayurveda school, but but um with in terms of certification, we were speaking about how it can sometimes be harmful and um unaware of the deeper field remember the feminine that deeper field from which these practices came and I gave the funny example of my first teacher was A.G. Mohan and I was being asked by a certain certification agency which I love and feel very happy to be a part of but they asked me to list my teacher's name that certified me and I said his name and who was his teacher now, the teacher of A.G. Mohan was Sri Krishnamacharya, who was the teacher of all the teachers, right? Iyengar, Patabi Joyce, Mohan, Jeskachar, all of them. The originator of Hatha Yoga as passed on into the West. And then underneath, Mohan said, and I don't know, I don't want to quote him, but he was, he, there was something to the effect of, we need Krishnamacharya's website <laughs> and email. <laughs> and now, of course, he's long dead and lived in a cave in the Himalayas for much of his young life before becoming this great master Hatha Yogi. And so it's a great example to speak to the complication of this. And yet I think we do need we do need standards. We, but what we actually need was we don't need certification agencies. We need damn good teachers who are committed to the depths of their own practices and the best teachers in my life have been dudes, just chicks and dudes that were obsessive about something, that dedicated their whole life to it. And that's who I want to study with, because as we well know, anybody can go get a 200-hour yoga teacher training, right? But what has deep value? And that is the relationship of human heart to human heart. So with Shakti School, we are a certification agency. We're actually a member of an organization that I really enjoy, and it's called APNA. And so NAM is not the only certification agency, but um, we all, and I'll just be frank, I think that the deeper certification agency is the, the yoni that I walk around with. That's who's certifying me. And that's who I want my ladies that come to the school to feel like is certifying them. And I trust that voice and I trust that creative force. And if she wants to go do something with it, like if she's in tune with that, I don't want to be anywhere near telling her what to do do you see the, the the danger and the and the sort of dichotomy of really wanting to be in total integrity aka masculine medicine likes to codify things and make rules and then the dark side of that is they feel that they own it right and the feminine side says i make my own rules do not put me in a box and there's a dark side to that so that's a very long-winded answer that I hope holds an, a, an extreme amount of respect for these certification agencies that I think by and large are doing great, great work in the world, but we have to bring this up. Yeah, and you answered this a little bit in your last question, but even broader than certification programs, we'd love to know your vision for Ayurveda as a whole and also as a part of that, if it was a perfect world and you saw like a perfect route to this. What would balancing the divine masculine and feminine look like in our world or in Ayurveda, if you want to stay specific with that? 
You know, uh, I don't really have a huge vision for Ayurveda because I don't really consider myself to be an Ayurvedic practitioner. I really see myself to be a woman of spirit. And, and I don't feel that I'm a yoga teacher either because of the way that those words I know are going to be interpreted by people. But, but I do believe that I teach yoga and Ayurveda. In the broadest sense of that word, yoga means yoke, right? It's the same word for religio, aka religion, that, that way of connecting to God. That's what I really see as my future and what I'm interested in helping particularly women connect to. And in that way, I feel like we're doing the deepest Ayurveda. I, I, I really don't have a vision for Ayurveda. I feel that that is the responsibility of the folks who are from India. And I, I'm passionate about empowering. We give a lot of scholarships away to Indian women. I really think that's their role to determine what Ayurveda will be. I, I just am a small, humble servant to studying the traditional Ayurveda. But what I do see as the vision is that on a bigger scale of what those words mean, there, there actually is no, um, there are no lineages, there are no styles, there are no um, forms, as, you, as we would say, but rather a sense that an integration can happen between what we would consider these ancient or feminine form or, or lineage-based traditional medical understandings of reality could come together with the best of what modern science and one could even say patriarchal medicine, which we don't want to burn down completely. Like that these two could begin to have this intimate conversation where, and we have this happening at Shakti School. One of our teachers that's teaching right now is Dr. Kirsten Mackey, trained as a doctor who humbled herself to learn Tantra and Ayurvedic medicine. We also have doctors and nurses coming to our school every single year. And that's what gets me really excited. I, I, I have you know, a desire at some point to do the Ayurveda of Appalachia. What do Appalachian women and, and men and that traditional medicine have so deeply in common with ancient India? And you can even see this in our music. If you listen to the crooning of, of, of Indian ragas, you can hear Dolly Parton. I mean, these indigenous, nostalgic, earth-based, mama-based, get down on your knees and pray to God traditions, they're the same all over the world. And that's really what I see myself as. And as, a, as someone who could in some way convey the unity that we're all sharing in this, while at the same time helping us get a little bit better digestion, a little bit better skin and all, you know, better libido and all these human things that we want is what I see. That's so beautiful. I love all of that. So thank you for sharing. And I think it's, it's so amazing, like for you to make those connections between, you know, Dolly Parton and ancient Indian music. But I, I also think those connections can be made with anything based on any of our stories when you really look at it and see why we're drawn to things like Ayurveda and yoga, or even if you're listening and it's something else for you that there's always that underlying thread of connection and that connection is what gives us that great empathy. And I think, you know, the second part of the question is balancing that masculine and feminine is that's really where it comes from is rooting first and that love and that empathy, and then taking the action, whether it has a little more fire, a little more water, whatever you need in that moment, but you're connected to intuition when you're making that distinction and that decision. So yeah, I just find that beautiful. 
Mm, I know this episode is so good, but I have such a fun offer for all of you listening. It has officially been one year since we've had the Soulful Veda podcast, and we are celebrating it by offering you all a free month to the Lightworker Society. So when you enter in the promo code I am love, that's I. A-M-L-O-V-E-D. You get a free month into the Lightworker Society. For those of you who who do not know yet, this is our spiritual membership that has everything in there. We do live new moon and full moon ceremonies. Our next new moon will be on the solar eclipse on June 10th. It's usually where we do a Kundalini practice. We do meditation, journaling, all learning about astrology, And on the full moon ceremonies, we learn a new spiritual practice. So this last full moon ceremony, we learned all about our human design types and we bring in fun guests. It's just a blast. Now, in addition, we also have a full library of meditations, breath work, yoga classes, mantra work, and live Ayurvedic trainings. You also get a spiritual kit each month. This will be a workbook based on the new technique or system that we are training you out in. There is a whole online community where you get to meet spiritual, lovely, beautiful people just like you. And on top of that, we also have a book club that happens every month, as well as a monthly Reiki healing experience. I mean, it is just loaded with all of our favorite things, with all of our favorite people, and we would be so happy for you to be in our community. So enjoy the free month and the free first month of your membership and enjoy the rest of this episode. I'm also curious to ask, you are so powerful and such a strong energy and I think that you standing in your divine feminine and also masculine really well um can some sometimes be intimidating to others um like I'm also thinking like more just like men um and so I am so curious to see like how has that been received by men because my you know maybe this is a myopic perspective but like sometimes I feel like men are really intimidated by that type of like strong force field type of energy. And as a collective, I think there are more men that are emotional, intelligent and can perceive that and understand it, but there is still that kind of like distance from it. Um, so I'd just love to hear a little bit about your experience with that. Oh my Lord. Well, we're going to have to bring me back on the show and do a whole thing on the Tantra and spirituality of, of men and women and dating and marriage and these things. But you know, uh, in some ways, I'm uh, ill-equipped to to speak on this in that I, well, maybe in some ways, I'm quite equipped to speak on it in that I, I see the role of the, like, my particular incarnation in this reality is to awaken the masculine and feminine inside of me and, and to heal. And so that you know, one of my favorite definitions of the yogini is she who takes refuge in herself and becomes a refuge to all. And you're right. Like when you meet someone and that, and you know, you're catching me in a moment where I'm public speaking and I'm excited and I'm turned on and I'm this and I'm inspired. And then, you know, there's this other side of me. I'm, I'm tridoshic. Your, your, your listeners probably know what that is, but when you're tridoshic, you really have all of the superpowers and, and also all of the imbalances. So it's an interesting ride, but the 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 more and more the goal for me is about that inner marriage and i think that that another definition of yogini is she who is actually on the outskirts of society it doesn't mean she can't kick it with everybody it just means you are you guys are that too it's like 
you are a little weird. You know, you are not following the exact rules of your upbringing. Most of the people I know from the South got married really young and had kids, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But in a way that, that being a spirit seeker as, as one of the main goals in life sets you outside of the norm in such a way that I think just a lot of men are just like, what are you? <laughs> what the hell are you? You know, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> I'm free. Right. And so, um, but yeah, on, on the real though, like totally, I, I, I do see that men can be intimidated by me, but I also feel like they are like a moth to the flame, you know, like they, of course, like we're beautiful, attractive, radiant, yogini women. What could be hotter? But yeah, you, you want this going to have to take it. Right. And so, and what, what I mean by that is I'll, I'll share a mythology to, to really explain it better than I am. And that is, you know, Shiva, this cosmic masculine principle, we can imagine him as this like, beautiful you know gorgeous yogi man just like the fullness of everything you you could ever imagine you would want in the masculine meeting this beautiful shakti who's like beyonce right this like beautiful woman who's like pendulous breasts and undulating and dancing and being very wonderful and he's like oh shakti you know like i'm so madly in love with you and she's like, I'm going to give you the short version. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, no, no. You don't even know me. And he, she's like, if you really want to love me, you have to see all of my faces. And so she starts to reveal them. And he keeps saying, yes, 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 yes. Keep bringing. She's like, no, no, no. You haven't seen the worst. And so then she rips off all the masks and out comes this goddess called Chamunda, which is this like haggard deathly disease sort of no meat on her bones skeletal creature and she's like you know and that's like me when I'm PMS or you know triggered or like whatever you're just like and he's able to stay with her and love her and in that moment she returns back of course to the beauty of Shakti and they embrace and are cosmically one and, you know, I think that's a lot of pressure to put on a guy, right? Like you have to, you have to take all my faces, right? It's really not about that. It's about you to you. Like, do you know and love all of your sides? What are the, what are the faces of you as a woman that you hide from yourself? Like for me and you, maybe it's really easy to like tap into that masculine or tap into that more provocative fiery spirit for other women they're like man I just I just shut down I just go into depression or I go into silence or I cut myself off from myself and in some ways that's an easier woman to be around right but she's slowly dying inside and that manifests as disease and so I think the deeper question is how much do I, as that inner masculine, love me and, and, and meet me? And when that happens, you know, men aren't as intimidated by you because they can sense this woman has got her own back. Like this woman can handle herself. But then on the other side of that, let me just say, we live in a real world and homies be intimidated by this. Like it's, we're just intimidating. That's, that's just going to happen as well. And to really trust this is the hardest part. Trust God. And the, and the one that can be there for you and handle you and hold you and not run is the one that's going to be worthy of you.
And I mean, I'm single right now. And I have, and, the, and like the greatest longing of my life is spiritual communion with someone else. Like that is the great longing of the yogini. If you're a yogini, you want that shit. But how can I really take that longing and convert it into the longing for her to know him, him within? And that is super hard. It's like telling a mother who, or a woman who really wants a baby who may not be able to ever have one, figure out another way to express your mothering in the world. She will bite your head off. Like I know that, you know, I I don't know it in myself, but I've experienced women that really want a baby that can't have one. So I don't mean to demean the very worldly needs and longings, but if we can take that longing for that companionship and partnership and release the focus of it being about them and return it to ourselves. So, I mean, this is my passion, girls. Like, I really like go out on dates as tantric energy experiences. It changes how you date. And I have lifted my, my not I, Prana, Mother, the Divine Mother in me has lifted my body up and out of chairs in restaurants. And extracted me from dates with almost no words. Do you know what I'm saying? The inner energy. You're just like, OMG, no. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not that you sit there just eating all of it. We have to do, we have to, y'all, have, we're doing a dating thing. Y'all have to be there. We're going to have to co-create something together because this is <laughs> such a great threesome. I I love everything that you're saying and I want to dive in so much deeper but I think that's a great little taste to leave it on and I think it's so true it's it's really understanding the the marriage between your own masculine and feminine energy because once you're so Mm -hmm. clear on that then it gets really clear in what you seek in that other person and and how they're gonna play with that energy like not match it but it's just like it's that dance between the energy between the two of it Mm -hmm. um yeah, which you so beautifully described. If there was, what you gave so many good nuggets, like I, I, so much words of wisdom throughout the whole session, but if there was one thing that just is top of mind or that you feel in this present moment, any words of wisdom that you want to bestow in our community? Mm-hmm. To know that all of the people that you admire the most, all of the people that you maybe follow or that you see as doing great things in the world are just like you. They're no different. To know that within you lives a Martin Luther King and a Maya Angelou and also little demons. That you are everything. And that it really is that ancient thing of which which wolf are you going to feed? Are you going to feed your inner Maya Angelou, who's one of my, my teachers of the heart? Are you going to follow your inner guides? For me, it's Christ, Mary. Or, or what are you going to do? Because you are no different. And at the end of the day, that spiritual journey can be really summarized in, in one thing. And that is, where are you not loving? Where are you not loving you? Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And Katie, if people want to come and learn from you firsthand, I know you said Shakti School is reopening soon. I'm not sure when. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that and when you're taking enrollment and all of that good stuff? Sure. Yeah, well, we're full right now, but we're taking early bird is now open so they can 
find us at the shaktischool.com. There's an Ayurveda page. That's really our main program. It's a year long program. We have really affordable payment plans. So check that out. And um, we all, I'm starting in September, something you guys have to be a part of, which is called spirit sessions, which is a membership. If you don't want to do the big, long year long program, we're doing a a monthly membership where you get to take a workshop with me every month. And we're not talking really about Ayurveda. We're talking about creating a spiritual life and we're going to do spiritual practice together. And which of course is a part of Ayurveda. So um, they can check that out. Love it. Sounds so fun. I'm so excited for that. Um, Beautiful. And people can find you. You have two accounts. I think one is the Shakti school and then um, Katie Silcox. That's they can follow me on the Shakti school. I don't let anybody in the Katie Silcox for real. It's just for me to like post photos of my nephew. Like you don't want to be on that (laughs) one. It's like, no, just I'm at, I'm at, I'm fully at both of them. So when you, when you follow me on Instagram, it's Katie Silcox underscore the Shakti school. Like I am there. That is me and my team. And so it's not like some random person it's I'm there. So follow me over there. Beautiful. Um, Thank you so much for today. This was such a fun conversation and yeah, I just feel inspired and empowered. I'm happy to do this on a Monday. I feel like the rest of my week, I'm just going to be pumped up from this conversation. So thank you for being here. Oh my God. I feel like I've been given a blessing. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you so much. Mm, I hope you just love that episode as much as we love recording it. Katie is such a light. And if this is the first time you were embracing her presence, oh my gosh, I'm sure you are blown away and wondering how you can get more of her magic. I love her podcast, The Gee Spot. Um, I listen to it on Spotify. It's the best. So you can check her out there. You can follow the Shakti School on Instagram. Katie is always on there. She's always doing IGTVs there. And if you're interested in the Shakti School, they have their next 300-hour program running in January 2022. And you can find all of that out at theshaktischool.com. If you love this episode, please share it with a friend or family member who you think would just adore it and rise and be so inspired by it. And if you feel so charmed, we would love if you rated and reviewed this podcast. And that is all we have for you today. I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day.